Welcome to the School of Salvation, Chapter 5. This probably, to me, is the most important chapter of all of this series that I'm doing in the School of Salvation. I have the timeline and the latter days and all of this eschatology, apocalyptical teaching coming up in chapters ahead. And we call that prophecy. But the word today is the true prophecy that needs to go forth in this last time. In, in the spirit of John the Baptist, which was in the spirit of the Lord, that came with a message to repent and be baptized. If there was ever a time, I hear all of the time, people in the church saying, oh, these are the last days. The Lord is coming back. But their life does not reflect the, um, that emergency, it should be an emergency, that, that need, that urgency to live in him, to live in the, put on the new self, to put Christ on, to die daily, repent and be buried with him, but every day in the power of his resurrection, walk in a new life, walk in the spirit. Not by the letter, but as the Spirit of God leads us and teaches us and guards us from our own flesh and, and all of the different voices that we may know the one true voice, the voice of the Lord Jesus Christ through His Holy Spirit. I want you, I am, this is going to be, uh, I don't know if I said it was going to be an A and a B, but it will be. It's a long message. When I start these messages, there is so much to, to give. I don't want to stop till I kind of finish while I'm under that anointing. All of these chapters could be actually be a book or books and some a library. But I want to keep it concise enough that you can understand. But today, in the beginning, I want you to know the importance. And this truly is the message of a prophet for this day. In Isaiah 33, 23, your tackle hangs slack and it cannot hold the base of its mass firmly, nor the spread out of the sail. Then the prey of the abundant spoil will be divided and the lame will take plunder. This is a polite way of saying, if you're not already shipwrecked, you're about to be. The church as a whole is basically backslidden. They claim to know the Lord, but yet they live in the world as part of it. They have not separated themselves. There's a lot. If the tackle is slack in a sail, the mast of a boat, no matter how strong that pole is, when that tackle slack, it'll tear the boat apart, flopping back and forth as the sail is loaded with the wind. The, the spoil will be plundered. You'll be shipwrecked. I thought it was a good way to say you need to pay attention. In Ezekiel 13, 9, So my hand will be against the prophets who see false visions and utter lie and divinations. They will say no place in the council of my people, nor will they be written down in the register of the house of Israel, nor will they enter the land of Israel. You may know that I am the Lord God, it is definitely because they have misled my people saying, peace, when there is no peace. And when anyone builds a wall, behold, they plaster it with whitewash. So tell those who plaster it over with whitewash 
that it will fail. A flooding rain will come, and you, O hailstones, will fall, and a violent wind will break out. Behold, when the wall has fallen, you will not be asked, where is the plaster which you plastered it? Therefore, thus says the Lord God, I will make a violent and break out in my wrath a violent wind. And there will also be in my anger a flooding rain and hailstones to consume it in wrath. So I will tear down the wall which you have plastered over with whitewash and bring it down to the ground so that its foundation is laid bare. And when it fails, you will be consumed in the mist and you will know that I am the Lord. Thus I will spend my wrath on the wall and on those who have plastered it over with whitewash. And I will say to you, the wall is gone and its plasterers are gone. Along with the prophets of Israel who prophesy to Jerusalem and who see visions of peace for her when there is no peace, declares the Lord God. I'm afraid the church has been plastered over. They have plastered their walls with whitewash. Half of the stuff they serve up daily and every Sunday is hogwash. It is, it is the words of man. It is not a prophetic word of this day. Those that seem to think they know something about prophecy, and they do. And I will share what they know. But when they see themselves as enlightened, the enlightened ones, and they are. But are they plastering their walls with whitewash? If they're not living and abiding in the Son of Jesus, thought by thought, day by day. Have they made themselves a part of this world and the worldly systems? I see these that go around and declare themselves to be prophets because they have prophecy. John the Baptist was the prophet. And the day and the word of prophecy today is the same as that day. He came, but he's coming again. Is repent and be baptized. For the Father so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that no man will perish. I'm going to read today many things. And know that this is the prophetic word of God for such a day that we live. As one of his prophets. And I believe God is going to take this word and the school of salvation and raise up a school of prophets all across Latin America, all across Africa, and even by faith, the U.S. I know God has called me to the nations and he's called me to those parts of those nations where they have an ear to hear. They haven't been blinded. The walls have not been whitewashed. I want you to pay attention. First Timothy 4.1 But the Spirit explicitly says that in latter times, some will fall away from the faith, paying attention to deceitful spirits and doctrines of demons. By means of the hypocrisy of liars, seared in their own conscience as with branding iron, for they will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires and will turn away their ears from the truth and turn aside to myths. Second Timothy 3.1 says, But realize this, that in the last days, difficult times will come. For men will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revilers, 
disobedience to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, malicious gossips, without self-control, brutals and haters of good, treacherous, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, holding a form of godliness, although they have denied its power. Avoid such men as these. For among them are those who enter into households and captivate weak women weighed down with sins, led on by various impulses, always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of truth. But as in James and Ombres opposed Moses, so these men also oppose the truth, men of depraved mind rejected in regard to the faith. That's pretty strong stuff. We have, as a church, almost demanded our pastors, and I don't hold all of them in account, because if I went to your church and I preach what I'm preaching here and through this series, I probably would be tarred and feathered and, and, and rode out of town on a rail as a heretic. They are so used to that which tickles the ear. They don't want to hear repent and be, and be baptized. And I'm talking about a fresh baptism in your life where you die daily to self and you arise in newness of his resurrection and live a separated life to him. You walk in the spirit of the son of God and not after your own mind, not after your own desire, not after your own pleasures. But if I say to you, you cannot see, live for the, your own lust and your own pleasure and walk in your own way, you have to separate us yourself. You have to die to self and live to him. Most do not want to hear that today because they're used to the walls being plastered with whitewash. That whitewash will not stand up when the fire comes and he's coming. And there's a fire of test coming not only on Israel again, but on the entire earth. And you need to know him. And you need to know the power of the spirit. And you need to know his voice. And you only know it by spending time with him, by practicing the presence of God in your life. And you cannot do that as in arrogance or in enlightenment or in whatever. When you have made the ministry a business, when it's about making money instead of pleasing God. God has called me as a shepherd to lay my life down. That might be the only calling as a pastor I have, but I know I have laid my life down on behalf of those God has called me. I'm not well thought of, probably, and be less well thought of by many, probably, after this sermon. But that is all right. The Lord loves me. He, he has spoken to me, and he's, he's talked to me all night last night. The importance of this word to repent and be baptized. I don't think you have to. We need a fresh washing, but I don't think you really have to go back to the river. I just think we need to daily die to self and live to him in likeness of his death 
and in likeness of his resurrection, have that cleansing of the Spirit of God, that what the water is a symbol of as God as we come out in the power of the resurrection and newness of life, walking after him and in his son Jesus, allowing his Spirit to lead us, to guide us, to teach us, to give us the humility to serve others, to lay our lives down as a good shepherd, to be a, to be a teacher, to be bread to the hungry, to visit the widows and the orphans, to, to be a doer of good deeds that they may know that the love of God abides in us. Amen. Jeremiah 22, 3. Thus says the Lord, do justice and righteousness and deliver the one who has been robbed from the power of his oppressor. Also do not mistreat or do violence to the stranger, the orphan, or the widow. Do not shed innocent blood in this place. For if you men will indeed perform this thing, then kings will enter the gates of this house, sitting in David's place on his throne, riding in chariots and on horses, even the king himself and his servants and his people. But if you will not obey these words, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, this house will become a desolation. For thus says the Lord concerning the house of the king of Judah, you are like Gilead to me, like the summit of Lebanon. Yet most assuredly, I will make you like a wilderness, like cities which did not inhabited. For I will set apart destroyers against you, each with his weapons, and they will cut you down, and your choice cedars, and they will throw them on the fire. Many nations will pass by this city, and they will say to one another, Why has the Lord done this to this great city? And they will answer, Because they forsook the covenant of the Lord, their God, and bowed down to other gods and served them. Do not weep for the dead or mourn for him, but weep continually for the one who goes away, for he will never return or see his native land. For thus says the Lord in regard to Shalom, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, who became king in the place of Josiah, his father, who went forth from this place, he will never return there. But in the place where they led him captive, there, there he will die and will not see the land. Woe to him who builds his house without righteousness and his upper rooms without justice, who use his neighbor's services without pay and does not give him his wages. I will say, I will build myself a roomy house with a spacious upper rooms, and I will cut out its windows, and I will panel it in cedar Painting it a bright red. Do you become a king because you are competing in cedar? Did not your father eat and drink and do justice and righteousness? Then it was well with him. He pled the cause of the afflicted and needy. Then it was well. Is not, is not that what it means? To know me, declares the Lord. Is not that what it means to know the Lord? Oh, no, but we're going to build us a, we're going to make a roomy house. We're going to panel it in cedar. We're going to build this big old church, and we're going to paint it red. 
and, and it's going to be so fancy. And we're going to be bigger than the first church down the road or the second church or whatever other church. Is it competing in cedar or brick or mortar or a lofty room? Oh, we have a campaign to build a bigger house, a roomy, lofty place so we can be more arrogant than we are. Or is it to plead the case? What is your campaign for the needy and the homeless? Those that need your help and your finances and your time and your life. Is that not, what does it mean to know thy God? What does it mean to serve thy God? Is it to build a lofty house? To paint it red, panel it in cedar? Or to minister and to cry out for God on behalf of the needy and the afflicted? What does it mean today to be a Christian? Pure and undefiled religion, James says, is to visit the widows and the orphans. Have you visited any lately? Where, what does it mean to serve the Lord Jesus Christ? For the eyes, Second Chronicles 16:9, for the eyes of the Lord move to and fro throughout the earth, that he may strongly support those whose heart is completely his. You have acted foolishly in this. Indeed, from now on you will surely have wars. His eyes are searching for a man, for a woman. It's sons and daughters now. But he's searching, looking for one whose heart is completely his. I cry out to God, Lord, I'm not worthy. If anybody wasn't, I know that I'm not to remove thy sandals. I'm so gladly I know what you have for me. I'm excited about that. And I'll gladly bow my knee and consider it such an honor as your word tells me to be able to ride with thy son. I am excited about that, but I want to be pleasing to you. I do not want to disqualify myself by putting any trust in my own flesh. I want to be empowered to accomplish by thy spirit that I may lift you up, O holy God, that you be praised and honored and that all that are listening to me will be changed, that they will hear your cry. Come ye out, be ye separate, saith the Lord, and I will welcome you, and I will be a father to you, and you will be a son and a daughter. Therefore, having this precious promise, let us cleanse ourselves from all defilement, both of the flesh. This is coming up. I'm jumping ahead. But you need to hear this message, the cry of the Father's heart. Come ye out, be ye separate, saith the Lord, and I will welcome you. Thessalonians 2.1, Now we request you, brethren, with regard to the coming of the Lord Jesus and our gathering together to him, that you not be quickly shaken from your composure or be disturbed either by a spirit or a message or a letter as it was from us, to the effect that the day of the Lord has come. Let no one in any way deceive you, for it will not come unless... The apostasy comes first. You can check that one off. First, and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the son of destruction. This has not occurred, but the table is being set. We will discuss that in later chapters. Second Peter 3.1, Beloved, I now write to you this second epistle, in both of which I stir up your pure minds by way of reminder 
that you may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandments of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior. Knowing this first, that the scoffers will come in the last days, walking according to their own lust, saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. For this will, for this they willfully forget that by the word of God the heavens were of old and the earth standing out of the water in the water by which the world that then existed perished becoming flooded with water. But the heavens and the earth which are now preserved by the same word are reserved for fire until the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. There is coming a day. Heavens and earth, there will be a new heaven and a new earth. That's only a little over a thousand years away because that's after the millennial reign. We'll discuss all that in future chapters. But us as the Gentiles' days will be fulfilled at the coming of the Lord where he establishes his reign for a thousand years on this earth with his sons, the Jews. We that were last shall be first. You will hear all about this in latter chapters, but I want you to know that it is as a Gentile, as the bride of Christ, it is our opportunity today. And there's a cry in the spirit. And and this is for all that the Lord is coming back and he's coming soon. Repent and be baptized. For the kingdom of heaven will be comparable to ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were prudent. For when the foolish took their lamps and they took no oil with them, but the prudent took oil and flask along with their lamps. Now the bridegroom was delaying. They all got drowsy and began to sleep. How many? They all got drowsy. But at midnight, there was a shout. Behold, the bridegroom come out to meet him. They all got drowsy and began to sleep. They all were asleep. I want you to notice that. I believe the church as a whole, even those that are ready, are are asleep. I also believe that if they were awake, maybe there wasn't wouldn't be so many not ready. But when the king came to look in Matthew twenty two eleven, but when the king came to look in to look over the dinner guest, he saw a man there that was not dressed in wedding clothes. And he said to him, Friend, how did you come in here without wedding clothes? And the man was speechless. He was invited. Then the king said to the servants, Bind him in a hand and foot and throw him in the outer darkness in places where there be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but few are chosen. A little later here, I'm going to share with you how that you can make sure not only of your calling, but of your choosing. Not only to make of the, let me read in chapter 7 too, because there's a, there's a narrow gate here. It says, even though through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is broad, that leads to destruction. And there are many who enter through it. For the gate is small and the way is narrow, that leads to life. And there are few that find it. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. 
You will know them by their fruits. Grapes are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor figs from thistles are they. So every good tree that bears good fruit, but the bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot produce bad fruit, nor can it produce a bad tree produce good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. So then you will know them by their fruits. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But to he who does the will of the Father, who is in, who is in heaven, will enter. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? And in your name cast out demons. And in your name to f- perform many miracles. And then I would declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. I want you to know today, there is a narrow gate. And those, we're going to read about how not only uh, to guarantee our calling, but our choosing, but also access into that gate, through that gate into him. There's a little small requirements that we'll read in Peter, but let me go on here in First Second Peter 1, where I'm again to read this. I want you to listen to all this. This is pretty amazing. Simon Peter, a bondservant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those have, who have received a faith of the same kind as ours, by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ. I share with you uh, John uh, 17:3 about this is eternal life that they know you. The knowledge of God is, is given to us by grace and it is salvation. Seeing that his divine power, the grace, has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. For by these he has granted to us his precious and magnificent promises. Amazing. Come ye out, be you separate, and I'll, you know, I'll be a father to you. What a promise. What an opportunity. So that by them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world by lust. For now, for this very reason, applying all diligence. How much diligence? All. In your faith, supply moral excellence. And in your excellence, in your moral excellence, knowledge, study to show thyself approved. Verse 6, and in your knowledge, self-control, holiness, and in your self-control, perseverance, faith, and in your perseverance, godliness, and in your godliness, brotherly kindness, the widows and orphans, and in your brotherly kindness, love. For if, now listen, if these qualities, all that I just shared with you, if these qualities are yours and are increasing, it's not enough that they're yours. We are to grow in Christ. Paul says, this one thing I do in Philippians 3, what I press on. I, I forget what lies behind, but I press on to the higher calling. It's not just enough to say, I am saved. It is to get up and walk a life in the Spirit of God day by day according to the leading of His Spirit. 
and that these divine attributes become ours. And if we continue to grow in them, in the fruit of the Spirit, the works of the Spirit, that we are no longer flesh, but we're spiritually minded, that we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. We've been bought. We are a purchased possession. We belong to Him. If we will manage this garden that God has planted as He would have us to produce fruit worthy of righteousness, He will be a Father. It will guarantee, listen, for He who lacks these qualities is blind or short-sighted, having forgotten His purification from His former sins. Therefore, brethren, be all the more diligent to make certain about his calling and choosing. Here it is. How do you make certain not only about his calling, but the choosing? For as long as you practice all of these qualities of God, these divine attributes, you will never stumble. For in this way, the entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord. In this way is entrance into the narrow gate, folks. And the Savior, Jesus Christ, will be abundantly supplied to you. Therefore, I will always be ready to remind you of these things, even though you already know them and have been established in the truth, which is present with you. I consider it right as long as I am in this earthly dwelling to stir you up by a way of reminder, knowing that the laying aside of my earthly dwelling is imminent, as also our Lord Jesus Christ has made clear to me. And I will also be diligent at any time after my departure. You will be able to call these things to mind. For we do not follow cleverly devised tales. Listen. We we made known to you the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. We were eyewitnesses of his majesty. I want him to manifest his glory to you. For when he received the honor and the glory from the Father, God, God the Father, such an utterance as this was made to him by the majestic glory. This is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. And we ourselves heard this utterance and made from heaven when we were with him on the holy mountain. So we have the prophetic word made more sure to which you do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your heart. But know this first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture is a matter of one's own interpretation, for no prophecy was ever made by act of human will, but men moved by the Holy Spirit from God. I am moved by the Holy Spirit to tell you that you have to be growing in Christ daily. You have to partake of His divine attributes. These, His attributes, His amazing character of of holiness needs to be yours. Without the sanctification of God, no man will see God. We'll, we'll, We'll talk about this. Hear what Peter says. He said, I'm going to stir you to remi- by way of reminder. It's not enough just to be saved. 
It's not enough to say, I voted for Jesus. No, you have to repent, be baptized in likeness of his resurrection. Go forth each and every day in the power of the Spirit in a godlike manner. With the divine character of Christ, his Holy Spirit ruling and reigning within your life. You're Christ-minded. He's given us the Spirit. Our weapons of our warfare are what? Divinely powerful for the destruction of these fortresses that have been, we've allowed the world to attach, to get attached in us by partaking of the world and the desires and the pleasures of life. It has infected us, but we can tear those strongholds down. It has taken a while, but I'm all but victorious over sports, the religion of this world. God has shown me that sports is the religion of this world. And on, on God's holy day, most Saturdays, we all, they all come together to worship. All days we know in Christ, if you listen to chapter 4, we know that God regards all, every day the same. But if you're not in Christ, the Sabbath is still the Sabbath. And the world will be judged for worshiping the gods of this world. And a lot of this is sports. They know more about their sports team, about their players, about all of these things than they know about the Word of God. I've re- I have just lost my place. They, uh, I i got to watch what I tap around here. Anyway, I, uh, God is amazing God, but he will not allow us to walk our own, live our own life in our own flesh and our own mind. We have to be Christ-minded. We have to partake of his divine character and attributes. We have to have walk in love. We have to love him with all of our heart, with all of our mind, with all of our soul, with all of our being, and love our neighbor. As ourself, I'll probably read that later. Hosea 6, 6. For I delight in loyalty rather than sacrifice and in the knowledge of God rather than burnt offerings. A lot of you would rather burnt offerings. John 17, 3, this is eternal life. I share with this with you that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom has sent you. Now the blameless way in Psalms 101, David wrote this. I want you to listen and apply this to yourselves in your own life. I will sing of the love and kindness and justice. To you, O Lord, I will sing praises. I will give heed to the blameless way. When you come to me, I will walk within my house in the integrity of my heart. I will give heed to the blameless way. Verse 3. I will set no worthless thing. Before my eyes, I hate the work of those who fall away. It shall not fasten its grip on me. How many times, and I, I've been guilty, and, 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 and I pray God's forgiveness to training my own children to, be, to, to worship the same thing that we do. In the old days, you could tell where the idol of the house was. All the furniture faced the idol, the family idol. Well, in today's world, all the chairs in our furniture faces the television where the godless continue this speaking, this message that pours forth, and we, we allow it to attach itself to us. It's through marketing. It's through sales. They, 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 they tantalize us with the most beautiful of things. I was just showing my son today a new, a new truck, and, uh, and, and I'd seen all these pictures 
and you allow these pictures and allow this message to attach itself to your life. And we see these godless things. And we see arrogance. And we, we see deception everywhere. I believe the spirit of, of the white horse is loose. It's the spirit of deception. The Lord warned us would know the day by be not deceived. That the spirit of de- deception. I believe in my country they're calling it fake news. Well, it's fake everything. I'm afraid the teaching in the church has become the same. It is tickling the ears of those that, that need to hear and know the truth. They're afraid to stand up and speak the word. They're afraid it might hurt somebody's feelings. It should hurt our flesh that we get up and repent and be made whole and walk in forgiveness and in health and in peace and in love and have the joy of God that should be the strength Instead, such a weak and an anemic church. It's time to guard our minds, to guard the gates. I mentioned in the last chapter, there is an onslaught at the gates. Isaiah was prophesying in the 28th chapter. There is an onslaught at the gates, the windows, the ears. Be careful how you listen. Be careful what you look. Be careful. Measure the words. Weigh these words that come forth out of our mouth. Are they words of peace, of love, of righteousness? Do they glorify self, flesh, or the Lord Jesus Christ? Are we truly a light in this dark present time? Or are we just part of the whitewash? Which is going to flake off and the walls going to fall. It takes some real steel in a wall to hold it when the onslaught comes. That is steel is made by through the fire. It comes for the testing of our faith, but at the revelation of his glory. As he reveals and manifests his glory to us, we're able to manifest it through us to others. And then they will believe that you may know that I have power to take up thy bed. That, that I have power to forgive your sins, sorry, take up thy bed and walk. As God manifested his glory through signs and wonders, my son has a gift of miracles through that, that, that the people may know. I have a prophetic call in my life, and I'm sorry, but this is the part you get. You need to repent and be baptized. You need to repent, die to self, and rise again in newness of life, and you need to do that daily. You need to walk in newness of life. I want you to continue here. David said, A perverse heart shall depart from me. I will know no evil. Verse 5. Whoever secretly slanders his neighbor, him I will destroy. No one who has a holy look and an arrogant heart will I endure. My eyes shall be upon the faithful of the land. And they may dwell with me. He who walks in the blameless way is the one who will minister to me. Listen, ministers. He who practices deceit shall not dwell within my house. He who speaks falsehood shall not maintain his position before me. Every morning I will destroy all the wicked of the land so as to cut off from the city of the Lord all those who do iniquity. Have you made a covenant with your eyes, as, as Job said in 31, 31, uh, one, chapter 31, verse 1. 
I have covenanted with my eyes not to look on the beautiful young virgin. I have covenanted with my eyes. I try to covet with my mouth because it seems to want to speak a lot. To try to ensure that what comes out is God's word and not my word. I have to guard that. It's one of my weaknesses. I, I think I took after my mother a little bit. I like to talk sometimes more than I should. And I read in here where in a multitude of words there's sin. So I worry about that. I try to guard what comes out of my mouth. I try to be careful what I listen to so it cannot attach to my mind any more strongholds. It's taken a while to tear down all those that were built over the years to humble myself before a living God and know I can do nothing if I'm not abiding in His Son, John 14. God has given us his, the Spirit of His Son if we call ourselves Christians, we have been able in the strength of His Spirit. But we have to live and walk by that. We have to partake of the divine attributes and allow those to be growing in my life to ensure that I have access to the narrow gate, to ensure I'm not only called but I am chosen, that I'm at the wedding banquet in proper clothing and not cast out because I once was called, but now I am not chosen. Because I walked in my own flesh. I did not walk and abide in the blameless way. Even in my home. Which I'm still his. I am his 24-7. You are his every day. All day. All night. You are God's if you have been purchased with the blood of Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians one twenty six, Consider your calling, brethren, that there were not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many, not many noble. But God has chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to shame those which are strong. And the base things of the world and the despised God has chosen but the things that are not, so that he may nullify the things that are, so that God may boast, that so no man may boast before God. By his doing you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, and righteousness, and sanctification, and redemption. So thus as it is written, let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. God has chose the foolish things of the world. Here, here he is. God has chose the base thing. Here he is. Without him, I literally all but became nothing. Destroyed. Drugs, alcohol, all of it. God, raised, God found me. He gave me a new life. It's been 45 years of, of the fire. But over that time, it was actually a little bit longer than that that I've known God, but it was the last 45 years ago I got the vision of what I'm doing today. I did not know <laughs> that, that it would take this long, but it's been amazing. God has been so faithful in spite of my faithlessness. That's not a good testimony. That's a testimony about him, not about me. God is faithful. We serve an amazing, wonderful God. We have this opportunity to enter through his son. But it, it's guarding our hearts and our minds. 
it's careful what we allow to enter our ears, what we look at, what we see, who we hang out with, who we embrace, what we love. We can't love the things of the world. In 1 Corinthians 6, 9, do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor homosexuals, nor thieves, nor the covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. But such were some of you. But you were washed. But you were sanctified. But you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And in the spirit and in the spirit of our God. All things are lawful to me, but not all things are profitable. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be mastered by anything. Food is for the stomach, and the stomach is for food, but God will do away with both of them. Yet the body is not for immorality, but for the Lord, and the Lord is for the body. Now, the, God has not only raised the Lord, but will also raise us up through his power. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take away the members of Christ and make them members of a prostitute? May it never be. Or do you not know that the one who joins himself to a prostitute is one body with her? For he says the two shall become one flesh. But the one who joins himself to the Lord is one in the spirit with him. Flee immorality. Every other sin that man commits is outside the body. But the immoral man sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and that you are not your own? For you have been bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body. Glorify God in your body. My body is not my own. I noticed today, I, I, I had to repent. I said, Lord, I apologize. I repent. When I go for the next two weeks, I, I don't do chapter six for another two weeks. I come back here to Costa Rica, and I will do chapter six and chapter seven. But if I don't discipline my body between now and then, I just had a revelation that my pants will not fit. I have, this is the temple that belongs to God. I hear people preach against wine and strong drink and all of that. I, I, don't, I won't get into that, but they don't ever talk about gluttony. It was like Jesus came eating and drinking. They said he was a wine bibber and a glutton. It, whatever we do that abuses our body is not God. This is his temple. We, we are to guard this temple of God no more than we are to grieve the Holy Spirit that dwells here. If we destroy this body, he says, he will destroy us. And through a lack of discipline, we walk after the flesh and gluttony. And I had to repent today. I come here and they treat me really well. They feed me. They bless me. But I notice my pants are a little snug this morning. So that calls for a fast next week. It calls for my discipline to guard what I put into my mouth and I put into this body. 
that I may guard it for him, that I may stay strong and be ready as he asked me some years ago. He told me I had to have the stamina, stamina of Caleb. I have to guard his temple. I have to stay in shape. I have to trust him for my health, which I do when I live in divine health, and we'll talk about that in a later chapter. But we are to guard this temple. It doesn't belong to me. This is his dwelling place. I, I gave it up and freely because I had destroyed it. I was supposed to be in a wheelchair for the rest of my life some 30-some years ago. I was supposed to die of cancer. I was supposed to do all of these things according to doctors. I just decided I needed to trust God. So none of those things came to pass. And I have and I will until he's ready to call me home. I want you to know that your body is the temple of the living God. You guard it for him. You guard it for him. You, you don't grieve the Holy Spirit. I know this, we, this is hard, but I, I'm confessing up here today that I have not guarded it the last couple of weeks because I can tell there's a difference. But that's a signal. That's a sign. I know, I know I've been entrusted with this to guard for him. So by chapter 6, I think these pants are not, won't be quite as snug. But that's by faith because I cannot do that without trusting him to give me the strength, the discipline, the power to overcome my own flesh that just delights in eating all these good things but it will destroy me if I allow food to become ruler over me instead of me ruler over what I eat. I know this is more territory that no one wants to hear, but it's the truth. It's the word of God. We're the temple of God. If we destroy this temple, he'll destroy us. That's what his word says. Let's guard this temple. Let's, we have to pray. The first thing I do, I pray, I pray a lot anyway. But when I know that I need help, and in this area, I need help all the time. It's just so easy. Everybody's wanting to fix you, eat a piece of their cake or their pie or whatever. They're so good. All my sisters, they so good. they're such wonderful cooks. And they always want you to taste this or that. And it's real quickly, especially as you're getting, getting older. I, I, I'm, I'm coming up on 69 my next birthday. And as you get older, this body doesn't handle food as well as it used to. It wants to retain it. He wants to grow, <laughs> and I have to guard that. I have to discipline my mind and discipline my body, and I have to exercise, and I have to eat right, and I have to know how to eat, and I have to take time to learn if I don't know. I have to understand that this is his garden. This is his farm. This is his vineyard. He's entrusted it with me, and I need to manage it as a good steward I need to be that, not that one that buried it in the dirt. I need to be the one that had five and they made five or had, had ten. I want, I, I, if, Lord, I want a hundred. I want to, I want to manif- I want to manifest thy glory through this old man because I want to die and allow you to live through me. But I know that I have to decide and I have to humble myself knowing I can't, but also knowing that he can. And that's the power of the spirit that is within us. It is not by, it's not by don't do this or don't do that or don't do this. It's by I want to. 
We talked about this, about legalism. It's by a want to please God. He has given to me His Spirit to rule, to strengthen me, to teach me, to guide me, to anoint me so you could hear these words without being offended because this is in love. I promise you, I, I walk the same walk you do. And I, I, with fear and trembling, oh God, help me. And He does. And that's what I want you to know. That's what I want you to understand. It is not in, look at me. It's in, oh God, look at God as I do. And he will give you the power, the discipline. The spirit of God is not, he hasn't given us a spirit of of timidity, of timidity, of fear, of cowardice is what the Greek really says. He's not given us a spirit of cowardice but of power, the grace of God, the power of God, and of a disciplined mind. Discipline, which says a sound mind, I believe in. But a disciplined mind is what that Greek says there. A disciplined mind, a discipline. We are disciples of Christ. We are disciplined individuals. We guard this temple. We, Lord, we manage your vineyard. We manage your garden. Whatever you have entrusted to us, we are yours. We are your soldiers, and we go when you say go. When the trumpet sounds, we awaken, we arise, we charge when you say charge. We stand when you say stand. And that is a daily standing because it's not a one time. You can stand today and be destroyed tomorrow if you don't get up ready in Christ, having laid down that old man and arise in the power of the Spirit of the living God to walk after His Spirit to walk in His power, to walk in His authority in the name of Jesus. Go and they go and come and they come in His name for His glory. Amen. Amen. I heard amen somewhere. Ephesians 4.17, So this I say and affirm together with the Lord that you walk no longer just as the Gentiles also walk in the futility of their mind being darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the hardness of their heart. And they, having become callous, having given themselves over to sensuality for the practice of every kind of impurity and with greediness, greediness. But you do not learn Christ in this way. If indeed you have heard him and have been taught in him, just as truth is in Jesus, that in reference to your former manner of life, you will lay aside the old self, which is being corrupted in the accordance with the lust of deceit, and you be renewed in the spirit of your mind and put on the new self. And put on the new self, which is in the likeness of God, who has been created in righteousness and holiness in the truth. Therefore, laying aside falsehood, speaking truth, each one of you with his neighbor. Truth. There's such deception in the world. For we are members of one another. Be angry yet and yet do not sin. Do not let your, the sun go down on your anger. 
and do not give the devil an opportunity. He who steals must steal no longer, but rather must labor, performing with his own hands what is good, so that he will have something to share with one who has need. Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word as in is good for edification, according to the need of the moment, so that it will give grace, it will give grace to those who hear. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ has forgiven you. Cast away from you all of your transgressions which you have committed and make yourself a new heart and a new spirit. For why will you die, O house of Israel? For I take no pleasure in the death of anyone who dies, declares the Lord God. Therefore, repent and live. I jump from the New Testament over to the Old Testament, but it's the same message. He was crying out to Jesus what the Holy Spirit is now crying to us. Repent and live. God takes no pleasure whether he's going to destroy Israel or we, his bride of his church, of the Christ. His church will spend eternity in damnation because we did not guard that which has been entrusted to us. We did not listen. We wanted to walk in our own strength, in our own wisdom, in our own pride, our own arrogance. It is so blinding when we think more of ourselves. Self's supposed to be dead. It is he that lives. And no longer I. It is Christ that lives today. It, the same cry to Israel is the same cry we heard there Paul making for us. Why? Why? For I have no pleasure in the death of the, anyone who dies, declares the Lord God. Therefore, repent and live. That is the prophetic call of the day. Repent and live. Repent and be baptized because the life we now live has to be in Christ. We die with Him. We're resurrected with Him. We walk in newness of life, having put on that new self. And we clothe ourselves each and every day in Christ Jesus. 2 Corinthians 10.3 For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. We are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised against the knowledge of God. And we are taking every thought captive to the obedience to Christ. How many thoughts? Every. And we are ready to punish all disobedience whenever our obedience is complete. You are looking at things as though they were outwardly. If anyone is confident in himself that he is in Christ, let him consider this again within himself. That just as he is in Christ, so also are we. James gets kind of serious here. 4 4, you adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is hostility toward God? That's a pretty strong statement. Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. 
Or do you think that the scripture speaks to no purpose? He jealously desires the spirit which he has made to dwell in us. Do not be bound. No, well, I'll just stop before I start here. He jealously desires. In other words, he says, I'm a jealous God, but the rest of that, which I will share with you, he is a consuming fire. If you're a friend of the world, he said, you're not my friend. If you love the world, you're not one of mine. The God of this world is Satan. Most of us know that if you are Christian. The principalities of the air is satanic. If you don't know that, you should, and we'll talk about that in latter chapters because that's going to change. But anyway, in 2 Corinthians 6.15, what harmony has Christ with Belial? Or what has a believer in common with an unbeliever? Or what agreement has a temple of God with idols? For we are the temple of the living God, and just as God said, I will dwell in them and walk among them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. How about that? Therefore, come out from their midst and be separate. We've read this, or I quoted this to you. It says, the Lord, do not touch what is unclean, and I will welcome you. Praise the Lord. And I will be a father to you. Praise the Lord. And you shall be sons and daughters to me, says the Lord. Therefore, always this, you got to remember this break here was put in by man. Therefore, having these precious promises, these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all defilement of the flesh and the spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. In Romans 2, 4, we hear this a lot, or I have, but we kind of never read on past it. It says, this, and this is a very true statement. Do you think lightly of the riches of his kindness and tolerance and patience, not knowing that the kindness of God leads you to repentance? It's his goodness, it's his love, it's his kindness that leads us there. Verse 5 and 6, though. But because of your stubbornness and your unrepentant heart, you are storing up wrath for yourselves in the day of wrath and the revelation of righteous judgment of God. Who will render, who will render to each person according to his deeds? Yes, God is good. Yes, it was his kindness and his love and his patience that brought us to him, but we haven't abided there. We have, we have went and walked on our own. And these next two, these last two verses that I read to you will end up in a rendering, which is scary, to each person according to their deeds. Just because you knew Christ, we do not have liberty. We do not have liberty to go back to the old self, to walk in the old ways. Because we went to church and voted for Christ and everybody hugged us and now we're in the church, we can't on Monday morning go back to work and be the same old person that we were the day, the week before. There has to be a change. And that change will take place, but we have to walk in it. We have to discipline our mind. We have to choose, oh God. And if we stumble, quickly repent. There's a loving God there that, that brought us, he's there for us.
the opportunity for repentance is there today. Be quick to repent. Quick to repent. It's a wise man. Quick to repent. While yet there's time. 2 Timothy 4.1 I solemnly charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead by his appearing and of his kingdom. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with great patience and instruction. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. We are here. But wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance with their own desires. It's happened. And they will turn away their ears from the truth and will turn aside to myths. But you be sober in all things. Endure hardship. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. We all have been called into the ministry of reconciliation in chapter 5 of 2 Corinthians. We all are his evangelists. We all are his witnesses. We're to be a light on the hill. We're to be a, a witness. We're to be his spokesman. We're to be a guide to the blind. We're to be bread to the hunger. We're to be, we're to be his hands and his feet. We need to know him as he leads us into the harvest, where and what to do and what, what he has for us this day. If we've been bought with a price, we belong to him. He's left us as the manager of his vineyard or garden or this man, this Christ man that now stands here. I have to choose to allow him to rule and reign here. I can't walk after all these things. Jude one seventeen. But you, beloved, ought to remember the words that were spoken beforehand by the apostle of our Lord Jesus Christ, that they were saying to you in the last time, there will be mockers falling after their ungodly lust. These are the ones who cause divisions, worldly minded, devoid of the spirit. But you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. I hope all of you pray in the Spirit. Keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting anxiously for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to eternal life. Have mercy on some who are doubting. Save others, snatching them out of the fire. And on some have mercy with fear, hating even the garment polluted by the flesh. Hate even the garment polluted by the flesh. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to make you stand in the presence of his glory, blameless with great joy, and to the only God our Savior through Jesus Christ our Lord be glory, majesty, dominion, authority, before all time and now forever. Amen. Amen. Snatching them out of the fire. The day is late. Your neighbors need you. Your brothers, so-called brothers and sisters that are struggling in the church, that are floundering, they need help. Sometimes they need it. You're supposed to go to them if you see them in sin. The problem is most of us don't have enough confidence because we are in the same boat they are. Repent. Start in you. Every day. Be born anew. Put on Jesus Christ. The day is late. 
He's come and repent and be baptized and rise up in the newness of life each and every day and go to your neighbors and get them back into the fold. Share with them what God has done for you and He will do with them. Y'all know the rest of the story, you Christians. If they don't answer, get somebody to go back with you. If they don't answer, bring them before the church if they're in the church. What happened to that, pastors? We are our brother's keepers. We, we are our brother's keepers. We're in this together. We're family. Just because we don't have any confidence in our own, we need to repent and Awaken today as this moment in the name of Jesus, Lord. I repent. Let me stand up in newness of life, having been cleansed by the washing of the word, having raised from that water, been raised by the word of God to walk clean in newness of life. And I will depend upon you. I will speak thy word and not my word. I will walk in thy way, not my way. I will separate myself from the darkness of the world. We're in it. We're not of it. If we love it, the love of the Father is not in you or the love of the Son. It's what the Word says. I've read it to you today. He says, come you out, be ye separate, and then I will welcome you. In Hebrews 12, 11, it says, All discipline for the moment seems not to be joyful but sorrowful. But yet to those who have been trained by it afterward yields the, yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness. There's a fire. There's a testing. Therefore strengthen the hands that are weak and the knees that are feeble and make straight the paths of your feet so that the limb which is lame may not be put out of joint but rather be healed. Pursue peace with all men and with sanctification. And the sanctification, and the sanctification, without no one will see the Lord. Without sanctification. See to it that no one comes short of the grace of God. Sanctification. That no root of bitterness springing up causes trouble, and by it many are defiled. That there be no immoral or godless person like Esau who sold his birthright for a single meal. For you know that even afterwards when he desired to inherit the blessing, he was rejected for he found no place for repentance, though he sought it with tears. How about that? That's pretty serious. Esau couldn't even find, even in repentance, he blew it. I'm going to read a little bit about this in Hebrews yet. But I want to give you the definition of sanctification here. Sanctification is the act or process of acquiring sanctity, a sanctity or being or becoming holy. In Philippians 2.12, I got grace laid here. It says, For then, my beloved, my beloved, just have you have always obeyed, not as in my presence, but now, much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Now, why should we work out our salvation for fear and trembling? Because of the grace of God. I'm going to read it to you in Philippians 2.13, the next verse. For it is God who is, work, who is at work in you, 
both to will and to work his good pleasure. What did I say grace was? It is the spirit of God working in our lives. What? For his purpose and his pleasure. But if we try to do it in ourselves, what? It is not I who live, but Christ who lives within me. That I may, verse 21 of Galatians 2, that I may not nullify the grace, the Spirit of God working in me. We grieve the Holy Spirit when we reject the grace of God working within me. When we should be embracing God in us to lead us, to guide us, to cleanse us. That we could walk in holiness. That we don't grieve Him. That we walk in the way that He is called. That we be sanctified. When we want to do it in our own strength, it is an affront to God. He has clearly said we cannot do it. We have to die to self. It is in humility we get greater empowering by the Spirit of God who works within our life. And that working of the Spirit will enhance your ministry will enhance your life. And all that we do, we can do nothing except by the grace of God. As we abide in Christ, not in the strength of our flesh, but as He is working through us by His Spirit, grace in us, His pleasure, His purpose, it will be reckoned to us as righteousness. And we have the proper wedding clothes because the Lord will see Jesus Ephesians 5, 5, for this you know with certainty that no immoral and pure person or covetous man who is an idolater has an inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore do not be partakers with them, for you were formerly darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the light consisted on goodness and righteousness and truth. Trying, trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. Do not participate in the unfruitful deeds of darkness, but instead even expose them. Oh Lord, I can't be a tattletale. I, I can't go to them when they're sinning and say you need to repent. We're not only not to participate, but we should expose these deeds of darkness. We have an obligation to our brethren that we make known the, the, the pitfalls so they don't fall in. We make known to them the stumbling blocks. We make known to them what almost cost us our eternal life. We have obligation one to another to expose darkness. We have an obligation, not out of our hypocritical nature, oh, but I am godly. No, out of our humility, with fear and trembling, with many tears. As we hurt and and are dying because others are being destroyed. Through your tears, not through your piety, supposedly. Supposedly piety. It is out of our piety and out of our righteousness, but it's not self-righteousness. It's out of His righteousness. It is He and not I. And in my humility, I can be bright enough 
and live a light that shines forth enough that it will expose the darkness. It will lighten the pitfalls that my friends and brothers don't fall in. I've already been there. I don't want them to go. Ephesians 5, 12, for it is disgraceful even to speak of the things which are done by them in secret. But all things become visible when they are exposed by the light. For everything that becomes visible is light. For this reason, it says, awake sleeper and arise from the dead and Christ will shine in you. Therefore, be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise, making the most of your time because the days are evil. So then do not be foolish, but understand what the will of God is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. Speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord. Always giving thanks for all things in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ to God, even the Father and be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. Romans 13, 11. I think you are starting to get this, but I want you to listen. These are the day. This is the day we live. Do this knowing the time that it is already the hour for you to awaken from sleep. For now salvation is nearer to us than when we believed. The night is almost gone. And the day is near. Therefore, let us lay aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us behave properly as is in the day, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual promiscuity and sensuality, not in strife and jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ. And make no provision for the flesh in regards to its lust. Put on the Lord Jesus. Put on the new self, Paul says. Put it on. Wear him. Walk in him. Die to self. Make no provision for this flesh. Guard your mind. Guard your eyes. Guard your ears. Guard your mouth. Guard the gates. There is an onslaught. We are not plastered with whitewash. We have the fire of the Holy God in us. We've been made strong in Him, but not in our own flesh. It is in Him, in Christ Jesus, that we're strong. It is in Him that we're holy. It is in Him that we're righteous. It is in Him that we are ministers, that we have an anointing to share, to teach. Peter 113, 1 Peter. Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Be sober in spirit. Fix your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you, the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the former lusts, which were yours in ignorance. It was in ignorance. But like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourselves also in all your behavior. Because it is written... You shall be holy, for I am holy. Matthew 26, 36. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And he said to them, You shall love the Lord your God 
with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind. This is the greatest and foremost commandment, and the second is is like it. You shall love your neighbors as yourself. On these two commandments depend the whole law and the prophets. Be on guard. Acts 20, 28. Be on guard. We're repeating here. Be on guard for yourself, all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. Hebrews 26. And you need to listen to this, folks. This is the word of God. For if we go on sin, why? Because the cost, I want you to know why we're about ready to read this. The price that was paid. You know what it costs? Jesus came He made restitution. He made a payment. Uh, It was a price that I could not pay. He made it on my behalf. It was a tremendous price to pay. He emptied himself in the form of the man. He was nailed on a tree, became a curse, separated from the Father for the first time in all eternity, was taken down into Hades, and we know the rest of the story. (laughs) They really messed up. But what the Lord God, the creator of all things, God did for each and every one of us and for us to brush it aside like nothing, the price, the cost of our salvation. I want you to know there's a penalty. There's a penalty. And we are to work this out with fear and trembling. As I read to you, that we don't nullify the work of God that he's doing within us, that we don't make grace cheap. There's nothing cheap about this work of the Spirit in us. The price that was paid, that we couldn't pay. He's coming back to make restoration. He come for restitution. He's coming back and coming soon to restore all things. In Hebrews 10, 26, for if we go on sinning willfully after receiving the knowledge of the truth, this has always been scared me, but it's supposed to be with fear and trembling. There no longer remains a sacrifice for sin, but a terrifying expectation of judgment and the fury of fire, which will consume the adversaries. Anyone who has set aside the law of Moses and dies without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses, how much severe punishment do you think he will deserve who has trampled underfoot the Son of God, who has regarded who has regarded as unclean the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified and has insulted the spirit of grace. For we know him who said, Vengeance is mine, I will repay. And again, the Lord will judge his people. It is a terrifying thing to fall into the hands of a living God. Serious. But remember the former days when after being enlightened, you endured great conflict and sufferings, partly by being made a public spectacle through reproaches and tribulations, and partly by becoming sharers with those who, are, who were so treated. For you showed sympathy to the prisoners and accepted joyfully the seizure of your property, knowing that you have for yourselves a better possession and a lasting one. Therefore, Do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. 
For you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what was promised. For yet, in a very little while, and it is a very little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay. But my righteous one shall live by faith, and if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who shrink back to destruction, but those who have faith in preserving the soul. I'm going to read once again to you. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives within me. And the life I now live, I live in the flesh. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not nullify the grace of God. I do not do it. I do not tread asunder that precious blood. I do not reject such a work. For if his righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died needlessly. Deuteronomy 4.23, So watch yourselves that you do not forget the covenant of the Lord your God, which he made for you. And make for yourselves a graven image in the form of anything, anything against which the Lord your God has commanded you. Deuteronomy 4.24. For the Lord your God is a consuming fire and a jealous God. Hebrews 12.28 and 29. Therefore, since we receive a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us show gratitude by which we may offer to God an acceptable service with reverence and awe that we may offer to God an acceptable life, our service, our word, our deed, with fear and trembling. No, it said with reverence and awe. Hebrews 12, 29, for our God is a consuming fire. I want you to know today, I want to pray for you. I want to pray for me. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living God having rejected such a wonderful and amazing offering of his son, that we would tread upon that by our rejection, by willfully sinning after we've already received and understood. He said Esau could not find repentance. He regarded not his birthright. You cannot reject the birthright that you have received through Christ to be born again and walk now willfully turn away. It is with fear and trembling because I, we walk, all walk in a very weak body. This body, this flesh is weak. But in him, in Christ, he gives you the strength. He is so patient. I, I know this is a fearful thing and most people don't even talk about this, but it is real. Don't take the chance. It is amazing how far, and I, I feel like maybe at one time I might even have pushed it. I know I had, but thanks be to the mercy and the love and this spirit, this grace that works in me to deliver, to feel, to heal, to allow me to finish the calling that I was chosen as a prophet to declare to you today, repent and be baptized. Be baptized anew by that spirit. Let the washing of the word today come over you that you could come up out of this with a new life, a new spirit, with the joy of the Lord. Be set free in Jesus' name. Know that you know him and know that he knows you and that you'll 
name is still in the Lamb's book of life, and he has not and will not have blotted it out. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, but it is only in him and he in you. We thank you. God bless.